Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning and welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your, good day. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> so this is your host, Felicia DeRosier, and my co-host. Cross and Pongo. Yeah, we've got our dog with us today. Oh, sorry, I forgot to make him the favorite. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you are the favorite above the dog, I'll be honest. Okay. I like the dog, but, but I like you better. So, uh, uh, yeah. I thought you so, like a furry kid more than your actual place. Ah, yeah, no, I don't think so. So, um, today we've got some pretty heavy topics, I'm going to say. Yay. Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like this is going to be a tough one for me, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that it's all good. We need to discuss these sorts of things. So uh, we've got some really good topics coming up. We're going to talk about Jesus. Uh, we did have a cancellation for our guest today. He needed to focus his time and attention on his family, and we encourage that. So so uh, I actually wrote for the second part. I will be doing what I did on one show when we had Mariah. Uh, I'm going to be uh, doing a bunch of, like, trivia Bible questions. Right, because I love being put on the spot. I know. It's you so fun. So it's so great. <laughs> but so, today what I'm going to do, since we don't have two people, is I'm going to read the question, put the phone down so I can't see the answer, and if she doesn't get it, I'll see if I can get it. Okay. Okay. All right. That's fair, I suppose. Um, I just think he likes to see me not know. Yeah, um, <laughs> okay. So let's cut to commercial break, and then we'll start and lean into this Bible study. Um, and this is going to go a lot of personal places. And ruffle, I mean, at least it ruffled my feathers a little bit. So feathers? I, we're not going to talk about my feathers on air. <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let's just say it, this was a topic that I think um, really involves a lot of introspection, a lot of prayer, and us to ask ourselves some tough questions. So, um, yeah, so we're going to get into that. Uh, but right now, let's cut to some commercial breaks, and we'll see you afterwards. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Collectively Rewilding is an online forum for learning, sharing, and teaching the skills needed to enhance our experience in the natural world. We're looking for the best mentors, guides, and instructors who can teach a variety of natural skill sets. If you've got something to share, we have the platform to help you make a difference for free. If you are more interested in learning and expanding your abilities in nature, please join us as a member to explore the world of rewilding. Join us at www.collectivelyrewilding.com today. We talk a lot about the kingdom here and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us 
uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say. You must become a doer of the word. Right, so uh, we're back after some interesting commercials. Interesting. They were fun. They were fun. Um, so today, you know, we're going through the Gospel of John, and and sometimes we have some particularly difficult teaching. Okay, and this one's going to talk about a situation that I was in this week, and how God's been ministering to me throughout this week, um, and how difficult that can be. So. Um, if you've ever taught a Bible study or anything, you'll know that there are some teachings that are close to your heart because they're things that have powerfully impacted you. And then every once in a while, God catches you in a teaching, and it's like it's the next one. It's the one you have to do. Um, but it's, it really speaks to where God's growing you at the time, and those are harder. So that's that's where we're at today, okay? So we're actually still in the first chapter, John. Mm-hmm. this is is episode five we're still not even halfway through the first chapter of john let's be honest right um so uh yeah not even close right i don't think 51 oh man we're on verse 14 so uh if you're following along with your bible go ahead and open up to john chapter 1 verse 14 we're going to spend some hard time focusing on this one verse. And, Cross, would you read that nice and loud for us? No? i, I got to wait for to pull up the Bible and look at the verse. I'll keep a little while. Read the verse. Okay, <laughs> you know, I don't enjoy being screwed at. <laughs> trying to read a verse that's like one millionth of the way through the actual chapter. Oh, come on now. Okay. Chapter 4, that, never mind. Uh, the Word became flesh and made dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Okay, so um, basically, so we know that John's been making this case uh, for the identity of, of Jesus, right? And the whole case building to this point has been that Jesus is um, – not only the clearest representation of God and his character that we have available to us, but that Jesus is in fact God himself, um, which is why he's that, that perfect representation of God's character. Um, and so at this point, we should be, and, and there's a reason for this, and, and that's, you know, we went through the whole concept of why this was uh, written in the first place. So that was, 
because some people were saying that Jesus was not God, okay? And so he's trying to counter that heresy that's running through the church right now, okay? Um, and so now he's trying to explain to us, based on Jesus' rep- representation, what God is really like. And this is an interesting concept. Um, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're Christian. Mm-hmm. We believe we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh and and we believe that because we uh, have decided to uh, change our ways and not submit our lives to our own will, but to God's will, um, so that so that we can live peaceably in heaven with with God. It, it would be really nice to know what God's really like, right? But um, God doesn't just like you know come down here all the time, right? So John's case is well, he did come down here once, and this is what he's really like. And what does he say? We beheld his glory, and he is full of grace and truth. Okay. Um, so let me set up the scenario for you where God's kind of working with me right now. Um, earlier this week, I was, I was sitting around with some some uh, of my lady friends, some of my girlfriends. We're all Christians, and we're all talking about some of the issues of the day. Okay. Um, and, and their, you know, social issues and political issues. Um, and I have a tendency often to think that we, we draw up sides a little too quickly on social and political issues um, because uh, I, I tend to always want to remember that there are people involved, okay? Um, and so a lot of times you'll, you'll see that I'll have an unusual political stance in something based on the fact that I'm a Christian. I'm like, yeah, but those are people there. And so even though I can say this or this is wrong or incorrect, I, I don't feel like this is the solution because we're not just dealing with, you know, with, with just ideology now. We're dealing with humans. And we're called to love humans. And so, um, I, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to talk about specifically the issue that came up, but I feel like I am because it's come up um, uh, with an, another friend of mine online, too. And so we were, so so I think it's important to address, okay? Um, so we were talking about the transgender movement. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Um, the transgender I movement. I experienced that firsthand. Yes. So it's, it's, it's a challenging situation. Um, and um, the consensus kind of around the table um, was, you know, well, you've got to do this, this, or this to stand for the truth. And I kind of, I kind of said, well, listen, I, I don't know. Like, I was born and raised in Las Vegas. Um, I can read the Bible as well as anybody else. There, there's actually verses about not dressing um, as, as the opposite gender. There actually yeah, in, is. in Deuteronomy it says a man No, should. no, like in the New Testament even. Like, it's a, this, is, this is a thing, okay, um, because this is not an isolated thing. This is not new in America. This has been going on. Yes, in the ancient world, there were women cutting off their hair to um, appear more like men. Um, there were men who were dressing um, in ways to appear more like women in certain cities. So it's actually addressed in the New Testament. I didn't bother to pick up the verse, um, but but it's there. Um, and so, you know, clearly you can make the case that this is, this is one of those things that the Bible prohibits, okay? Um, 
And and so the the discussion that we were having at the table, I kind of said, okay, well, first of all, if somebody is not a Christian, I can't hold them up to Christian standards, okay? Um, if somebody has not surrendered their life to Christ, I don't expect them to act like a Christian. And so I, I'm not saying I don't care what they do. Of course, I care about people and what they do, um, but I, I'm not necessarily going to um, uh, be aggressive towards them. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm called to love people, uh, and I'm I'm called to love them in every state, in, in their uh, redeemed state in Christ and in their broken state before Christ, whatever that might be. Um, and that can be a really hard challenge sometimes, um, but I don't find this to be one of those things that's a really hard challenge. Um, I would think that somebody who personally offended me is, is, is much harder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone who, who hurt me or my kids or something like that, or, you know, I, I, I can um, think about that. But this just has not really been a challenge for me. Um, being in Las Vegas, it's extremely commonplace to see people who um, – were transgender or at least, um, you know, maybe not presenting as their regular gender. I'm trying to use the, the modern language. We called it something different when we were younger. Um, th- this was very, very common, um, and, and we really didn't make any note of it. Um, my, my lived experience is knowing that I have known people who attended church um, who uh, were presenting as opposite gender, and um, we spent our time talking about Jesus. And, um, you know, some of the people uh, eventually left certain lifestyles, and certain people I don't have contact with anymore, so I don't know where they're at. Uh, What I can say is that my personal lived experience is that sanctification is a process, and when I came to Jesus, I didn't become a new, um, I, I didn't have a new way of thinking immediately. Uh, some things would change quite drastically immediately, and some things, um, some, some habits and, and some uh, choices that I would make were long-term things that eventually God has undone. Um, and now as a matured Christian, I would say that I, I want basically to bury my own identity in Christ. Um, and so, um, and, and that's kind of the goal of Christianity, is to bury your own identity in Christ so that whatever gifts or talents God has given you, um, those are the sorts of things that are shown um, outwardly uh, through you acting as the hands and feet of Jesus. Like literally the exchange is I die on the cross 2,000 years ago, and now I live as Christ. And so I really want you to see as little of me as possible, and therefore different identities that we possess um, as humans are are meant to die in the process of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's very difficult to have this conversation uh, because it, it's um, – you know, if you're speaking to someone who actually they they are transgender or um, they're in an alternative lifestyle of some sort, um, they cling to the identity that they have very very deeply. 
Um, and so, and when I come to to a point of discussing it and I go, yeah, your identity is not going to matter anymore. <laughs> like, that's the truth is that your identity, whatever it is or was now, is not going to matter anymore. Um, that that uh, in itself is quite offensive to that person. Um, and so it's, it's a difficult discussion to have. Um, and to say to say it this way is that um, the the broader issue is not you know am I doing one particular sin that God doesn't like oh we're all doing a particular sin that God doesn't like um, that one individual sin is not the thing that's going to keep you out of heaven and send you to hell the thing that's going to keep you out of heaven is not being submitted to God now our sin can be evidence of us not being submitted to God, but I'm not the judge. God is. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's very difficult to have these discussions because most of us don't die in a fully sanctified, pure state. We're not dying and and people are like, that was the most angelic person I ever knew. Like people who know you well are like, yeah, they had a bad sense of humor. Uh, You know, maybe they, you know, they know all the little secret sins, right? Um, and so none of us are dying fully sanctified. I don't know where that scale is, and I'm not the judge. Do you know what I'm saying? But I also feel like we do a disservice to people by not being clear about that whole sanctification process, that 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 following Christ is costly. And what it costs us is ourselves, our will, our lives, um, you know. So that's kind of um, where where we're talking. So – we can get into these conversations, and I feel like in these conversations, I have a tendency um, to feel like we're, we're struggling between these two great attributes of God. He is full of grace, and he's full of truth. Um, and it's all a balancing act of trying to figure out how we walk like Jesus here on earth and how we are both simultaneously full of grace and truth, and how we communicate that to a world that's hurting and in need um, is, is the big challenge. So I kind of walked away from the conversation um, with a few people kind of looking at me like I was kind of crazy because I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I hear, you know, the challenge with the whole pronouns, um, and, and people have their own specific way of wanting to be addressed. Um, and, and I'm like, and I find in practice that I don't spend a whole lot of time um, questioning uh, what, what people are saying. I just find that I don't do that a whole lot. Um, that if, uh, if I knew someone was, a, you know, engaging in anything else that would be considered sinful in the Bible, lying or being a thief or something like that. Um, I'm not going to spend all my time talking about that particular thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you know, you like, did this that one time, you're better. Right, right, right. right. We're not, this is, this is not the thing. You know, um, if, if I were going to a prison ministry, for example, and, and trying to evangelize somebody who was a shoplifter, um, I'm not going to spend all my time talking about their shoplifting habits. Somebody you know, uh, like that's not. 
that's not a thing. God's going to get you. Now, I, I, under, <laughs> I understand. I do understand where people are coming from, too, because they'll say things like, well, yeah, but if they don't acknowledge that something is sin, and by the way, I don't think that having any sort of desire is sin, um, although the Bible will uh, note that acting upon certain desires is sin. I don't get to argue with Scripture where that's concerned. Um, God's already. I don't get to argue with Scripture at all. I, I can't hear you. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, like that. At that point, I have to be like, look, you have to take that up with God. I don't get to help you on that one. You know what I'm saying? I know I have plenty of desires that if I acted upon them would be sin. Um, I think everybody has that. Everyone is born with that within themselves. Scripture is certainly clear that we're all born with a sinful nature. Again, this is not really an argument to have. Um, and so, um, so, so to me, uh, I'm saying that if somebody has a broad outward sin that I can see, okay, that's not the only sin they have in their lives, <laughs> okay? We don't have to spend a whole lot of time trying to convict them on the one thing that's going to make it very difficult at that point to hear the gospel. Now, you hear the gospel, but I have to be clear that, listen, following Jesus is costly, and it costs me my own identity. And there will be a lot of things that you have to give up in order to follow Jesus. Um, and I think that we do a disservice by not being clear about that. So this is like the whole discussion. And I kind of left the discussion feeling like, you know, I, I needed to pray. Am I being too soft? Uh, am I not acknowledging the truth of God or upholding his word enough? Like, this was a tough discussion for me when I left, um, and I spent many, many hours being prayerful about it. Um, I wrote so many notes on this, and I, and I did not look at any of them when I was describing this <laughs> situation. Um, so the question is, like, how would Jesus handle this culture today, which is really um, crooked. It's, it's gone off course. Um, and so we know, like, God. I, I mean, we know if we read the Bible, there are certain things that we're not supposed to do. By the way, some of them were things that before I became a Christian, I thoroughly enjoyed doing, and some of them were not. Um, everyone's going to have their, their own struggle in this walk. Um, but John seems to know how Jesus would handle it. And he says that he'll handle it full of grace and truth. Jesus always did it right, no matter what he did. He was that perfect balance of both grace and truth. And we can imagine the chaos that would ensue if God were all grace and no truth. Okay, think about that. It was just all grace and no truth. What would happen? Like, people would just do whatever they want, right? And um, the product of that would be, you know, a lot of sin, but... But really, a lot of times, the, the biggest problem... three people. Kill three right. people, kill three people. I'd say, God's grace is fine. He won't hold me accountable because no truth in him. Right, right, right. Okay, so so the issue is that a lot of times, sin directly impacts and hurts other people. And, and it's very, very problematic, okay? Um, and so we can imagine this would not be a fun world to live in if God was all grace and no truth. And, of course, we know that culturally we're definitely leaning that way, where God is all grace and no truth. And so um, we see some crazy things happening in the church. And, of course, um, you know, the social, the, the, the social landscape is, like, crazy. And 
And um, people basically are just like, I'm living my truth and doing whatever I want to do because it doesn't matter because God is grace. And, and God is grace, but he's also true. Um, I think that when we think about what if, what if God was all truth? I feel like this is the situation that, that, that Israel felt like they were in. Well, you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this, right. and you did this. I'm sorry, brother. You did this. You did this. Oh, oh, so bad. Right. All of which is probably true. I'm very bad sometimes. Bad boy. Okay. Bad. <laughs> um, but that that image of God, that, that concept of God, is particularly difficult to love um, because he seems just like a harsh taskmaster all the time trying to tell me what I should and shouldn't do, and there's, there's no incentive, there's no relationship. And by the way, I don't know about you guys, but, like, if I'm being straight up blunt and honest, I never do everything right, okay? I'm not going to say I never do anything right. It's possible that I may have done some things according to God's will without any kind of selfish motivation whatsoever. Like, that's, that's possible. I'm not going to say it's probable. Um <laughs> But it's possible that I may have done That's a thing. Really I mean, I'm just saying, it's possible I may have done a thing or two right in my lifetime. Okay? But um, I'm never doing everything right. Okay? Never. never. No, I'm very certain. Like, like if we're talking about the, the minutia of, like, the motivation of your heart, a lot of times I do things well because it feels good to do them right. Um, a lot of times I enter into the worship of God's presence um, yeah, I mean, I want to honor him, but it also feels good to worship the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's a selfish motivation, and that's wrong, which makes something that is the right thing to do wrong. Does that make sense? So I think I very seldom actually do the right thing for the right reason, you know. But if I do, I'm certainly not doing all of the right things for the right reason, okay? So... Um, what is grace? Grace is favor, kindness, or a gift. It's not something I could earn through obedience, hard work, or being good. Um, that's how the gift of salvation or redemption works. So I still have to accept this open gift and to utilize it, right? But it's given regardless of my merit. Um, so I wanted to read a little part here in Mark um, and talk about a time where Jesus is showing the ultimate grace of God. And I feel like more often than not, this is probably what God's grace really looks like in our lives. Um, and this is um, just a really long day for Jesus. We're going to kind of start in the middle of the story and then move into the next story uh, because it's all the same day. It's all the same situation. Um, go ahead and we're very famous story. So you guys will probably pick up real fast. Right. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and we're going to read to 520, okay? That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was. The other side of the Sea of Galilee, to be clear, right? Yeah. Okay. He must go to the other side. Um, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall or storm came up. I always get confused when I see squall. Oh, squall. <laughs> That's a really educated term, right? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> and the waves broke over the boats. It was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. 
Yeah, I feel that. I just sleep anywhere. I've once slept on a tile floor while I was a baby. Wow. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? She got up, rebuked the wind, and probably his disciples, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. So now we're moving to chapter 5. Yes. I'm narrating this as his little fingers are going. Chapter 5, 1 through 20. One through 20. And when it crossed the lakes, the regions of... Wow. Where is it? Oh, that doesn't help me. <laughs> Garrison. 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 Yeah. I'm never saying that again. Um... <laughs> When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. So, this is a thing. Um, if you were demon possessed, a lot of people didn't want you in their home. Your family probably didn't want you in their home. So, you had two options. Wilderness, caves, or tombs. So, this poor guy is living amongst the dead. Yeah. Okay. So, to be clear, okay? Yeah. Uh... This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. He had been chained often with hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, would cry, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Uh, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of God, the son of the most high. In God's name, don't torture me. So, that, fun fact, that was not the man talking. Sure. No, that was not the man talking. Those, those, that was definitely the demons talking through the man, right? Okay. Uh, come out of the, so, Jesus, Jesus wasn't going to torture the man is your point, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good spirit. Um, <laughs> sorry, let's spoil the story for you. Uh, for Jesus had said to them, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, My name is Legion. The babies replied, But we are many. There's many in us. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Uh, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man and about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done to you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, that is Decapolis, Decapolis is mm-hmm. the 10th city, uh, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Okay, okay, okay. So... So this is a really confusing story, okay? Um, first of all, let's start out in the storm. Jesus is in a boat in the storm. I don't know if you've ever seen 
like what the storms on the Sea of Galilee are like, but they are terrifying. Um, yeah. The Sea of Galilee is basically located in a bowl. We're kind of in the same situation living in Las Vegas. We're surrounded by mountains. Man, when the wind kicks up, it is scary. Like, like when my husband like, first your car's not going to make it scary. Right. When my husband first moved here, he was like, dude, these are like hurricane force winds. I'm like, oh, I mean, that's just normal. Um, like, like the winds get crazy, but we don't have water here. You can imagine the lake is, um, not very far, like not very wide, but so deep. And so those waves get crazy like ocean waves. Um, how tired was Jesus that he was still sleeping on the boat, yo? Like, I mean, he had just caught a crowd of people for like three, four hours. Like he must've been exhausted. Okay. So think about this. Jesus has just finished ministering to this huge crowd. He's so tired, he's knocked out in the boat, and the boat and the is hurricane like, can't wake him right, up. Right. He's <laughs> waking this guy. Like, could you imagine? So he gets woken up by his disciples, and they're not like, hey, Jesus, could you help take care of us, man? They're like, do you not even care if we die? Like, he gets woken up by accusations of not caring about them enough um, when he's just like, so done from ministry, right? So like, guys, I'll poop. Right, right, right. But it's not even that. Like, could you imagine, honey, this is like this. Like, instead of you saying, hey, mom, I need some lunch and I don't see anything in the cupboard. Do not even care if I starve. Exactly. Like, how extreme are you right now? Okay. So the drama is rich here. Um, <laughs> it's like, are you for real right now? So, of course, you know, um, Jesus calms the storm. Well, why is the storm there? Okay. So Jesus is traveling outside of Israel right now, okay, into the Decapolis, okay, okay which is which is um, this uh, not not Israelite uh, area. This is a Gentile area, um, and and it seems to me that he's facing some opposition. And I do believe yeah, that we face some opposition when we're doing good ministry. Um, I, I had a whole discussion with a friend this week about how how precious a person's soul is, that Satan is relentlessly pursuing it, and God is relentlessly protecting it. And they're like, do you really feel like it's a constant thing? And I'm like, only when I'm doing God's will. Uh, when I'm doing what God wants me to do, do I feel opposition? Yes. And if I'm not, sometimes it's noteworthy enough for me to go, hmm, life is going a little too smoothly right now. <laughs> Maybe I need to investigate whether or not I'm actually doing the things that God's called me to do. That may not be the case for everybody. It certainly seems to be the case for me. And it seems to me like Jesus is on assignment trying to cross into the Decapolis and that there is some opposition there. But he's able to calm these spirits that are kicking the, the Sea of Galilee into a fervor, and they make it safely across, um, across the lake. They show up someplace where they're not really even supposed to be ministering, right? And there's this guy who is not in his right mind. He's even possessed. Like, his life is in chaos. He's living amongst tombs. Um, you know. Hey, right, right, right. He's so strong that he can break chains off of himself, uh, which is crazy to even think about. Okay, I don't know anybody like that. I knew someone who could break chains. Oh, Jesus, because he can break every chain. Well, it's not a lot of people. 
But it was. This guy named the Mighty Adam. Okay. He could, like, he could break chains with his teeth. Um. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So so check this. He gets he gets over there and he starts to minister to this guy. Why? I mean, he's not the person that he's sent to serve, right? Mm-hmm. He's not on mission to be, um, you know, here relieving the people in Decapolis. Like, Jesus had to know that this guy needed ministry. That's why he went there, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens, he, he, he releases this guy from all these demons that he's clearly been possessed of for years, okay? And then what happens? He gets run out of town. That's how they thank him. There, there's no, um, you know, understanding of his holiness or, or um, there, there's none of that. He is chased out of town for his efforts, um, and he has to go back on the boat and travel again someplace else in that very exhausted state that he was already in. Um, this is a really long day of ministry for Jesus, right? Well, he had two fishermen who knew how to operate a boat, so he, he did. Fun. But could you imagine being on a road trip and then being told that because you healed somebody you weren't wanted and get out of town and go back on the road? Like, that's terrible, right? Um, that's what grace looks like, guys. Like, there's nothing in it for you. The compassion was for this man who had not been able to live among the living. And, and Jesus released him of that. Um, and then he left, and that was it. There was no expectation of something else. It was a gift. This guy didn't do anything to earn it, but but God's heart of compassion fell on him, and his grace extended to him. Here, you've been having demons for 15-plus years. I heal you, and you get healed. Some people, nah. Right, right, right. We're good. Right. They're like, nope, we're, we're okay. You need to go. So, so that's that picture of grace. I think that that's like the ultimate picture of grace. Although you can find Jesus operating in grace all over. Um, now, I'm talking too long, so I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to take a commercial break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about truth a little bit, and then we'll ask some questions. So I'll try to hurry along a little better, okay? All right. Okay. All right, here we go. We're going to go and take a commercial Hey everyone, come check out the Proof Negative Radio Show here on FreedomizerRadio.com Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on the Pacific Coast as we fight the New World Order and rock the health freedom world together. Most people say they hate wearing shoes and would go barefoot if they knew they were allowed. People say it all the time on their social medias. But they are worried that someone will say something to them. So everyone wears the cheapest flip-flops with the least amount of fabric on them. Most people do not even know that it's completely 100% legal to go barefoot into a store. Most people think that driving barefoot is illegal, but it isn't. Driving barefoot actually is safer than wearing most shoes. Going outside barefoot for a walk is one of the healthiest things you could do, but most people are afraid someone will say something. Or they quote the myths and the rumors that their grandma told them years ago. The fact is, there are no laws against driving a car, going to a store, or eating in a restaurant barefoot. So don't give in to bad fashion, hurt heels, or a broken flip-flop. For more information, please check out barefootislegal.org or find us on your favorite social media. 
food waste is one of the most easily solvable problems, literally the low-hanging fruit of environmentalism. Pardon the pun, it's my job. About 20% of all produce never makes it off the farm. It's because they just look a little funny, a little weird, but when you cut into it, it's perfectly good food. It's just a total shame. It's totally good stuff. We buy ugly produce directly from farms that often would go to waste because supermarkets won't buy it because of how it looks, and we deliver it to people's doors. This isn't that ugly at all. Like, that's the most common first box, like, complaint we get. We change that. We educate people. We show them how amazing these fruits and vegetables are. Have food delivered to your house. Box of produce every week. And it's more affordable. At a very reasonable price. Cheaper than the grocery store. I spend a lot less time in grocery stores. It's an adventure every time that you open your box. High quality produce. There's nothing wrong with the produce. And they taste exactly the same, if not better. Save those fruits and vegetables that get wasted every year. And it's delivered to your door, like, but what you, why wouldn't you do? Why wouldn't you do? Please go to our website, freedomizerradio.live, and sign up for Imperfect Foods today. Use our promo code and get money off your first order. Go ahead and get some organic and all-natural meats, dairy, snacks, breads, and non-GMO produce. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. Uh, we're... Yeah, we're still talking about this Bible study that, again, you know, it's always, it always runs long when it's what God's taking you through right now, okay? So we'll get to the fun part. Yes, yeah, we'll get to the fun part. We'll, I'll, I'll be quicker this time, okay? So, so we were talking about God's grace, and now we want to talk about God's truth. And, and we have to understand that it's not like God has, like, a split personality, okay? His, his one half of his grace, one half of his Right. Okay. Right now, I'm grace, but then I'm gonna be true. Like, I'm gonna get you tomorrow, man. Right. You, know, it, it's you not, better watch yourself. Right. Right. As a matter of fact, very often we see Jesus ministering and in the same breath ministering grace and then following it up with truth. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, so um, justice and truth and integrity live in the holiness of the character of God as well. Um, and can you tell me, uh, we were looking up this verse, Hebrews 13, 8, and what does it say there? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, we kind of looked that up, but we didn't really have to, right? Because that's our church's life verse. Yep. Yeah, so we all have, we have to that, memorize. have like, literally on the wall. <laughs> yes. It's so like embedded on the wall in, like, ginormous letters. So check this. Like, his character hasn't changed in the history of the world. So that means that if it's written in the law, he still thinks that way, and he may be being gracious about it, but there's still truth, and the truth is that we violate God's laws all the time. We violate his sense of holiness all the time. All the time. And so, like, it, it's like when I when I say, like, I, I'm not trying to be demeaning to myself when I say I don't think I actually do anything perfectly good within God's will. Um, and it's not because I think I'm a horrible person. It's because I understand that his will is perfect and, and that my attitude not. is not. <laughs> and so because that's truth. Do you see what I'm saying? And and that doesn't negate me of the responsibility to change and to submit myself to his will. And this is, I think, one of those things that culturally we're missing. And then, unfortunately, I feel like the Christian church will swing so far in the direction of truth that uh, we end up just kind of browbeating um, people who are non-Christians 
you know, and, and telling them that they're, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad. Okay, look, like, like I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. That's really what that's meant to be. Okay. <laughs> I'm supposed to be browbeating myself and offering grace to other people, right? Okay, at least that's my perspective here, okay? Um, but you can, you can uh, write me hate mail later and tell me I'm wrong. It's okay. <laughs> um, so the depth of understanding that we gave, I'm just saying, like, you know, you can be like, okay, you're being too gracious. Maybe I am. I don't, I, I don't know, okay? Um, I know that Jesus didn't chase after people. Well, I mean. Um, he was gracious to them, and then he was honest with them, you know? There were worse things than being too gracious. <laughs> I mean, I suppose, but, but, but we can't lose the truth of God, right? Um, so there's a depth of understanding that we gain when we understand that Jesus is God and the resurrection and the new covenant and everything should change in my life if I truly understand his identity. Um, Jesus was persecuted and crucified for telling the truth about who he was and what he meant to accomplish. Um, he also told people he ministered to the truth about their condition of their hearts and their lives. And sometimes he speaks that truth to minister to someone's heart. Um, kind of like the woman at the well. Now, oh, you know what? We're not going to read this whole thing because it's going to take too long. But okay. I think that most people um, know the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Yes. Right? And and what gives him the opening to speak about God in her life was that he had a word of knowledge. He knew the truth about her life. And that's actually a whole interesting story. But and then it's in John. We're actually going to go over it later. And immediately she says, so I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. No. Right, right. We, we it's her immediate even, response. Right. We shouldn't even be talking to each other. And you're a man, and you're not supposed to be talking to me as a woman. So there's all these things. Um, but, but he kind of cuts the chase, tells her the truth about her personal life. And suddenly she understands his identity and who he is, and he has gained access to her heart, okay? And so um, sometimes he's speaking truth to um, minister to people. Um, but I do want to look up this verse here. Throughout Scripture, we also observe Jesus speaking truth, even when it threatens his own safety. Um, like, let's be honest, Jesus was, was crucified, because he spoke the truth about his identity and what he was meaning to do, and it wasn't what people expected. And there wasn't a point when he was like, wow, they are going to hang me up for this. And he knew that, right? And he never backed away from what he said. So just one example, although you'll find them all through Scripture. Let's look at Luke um, chapter 4, 18 through 30. Um, this is a episode that nearly cost Jesus his, his life. Um, and uh, he does not back down at all. So, Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, so he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I just want to mention, he's in a synagogue. Yeah, exactly. He's in a synagogue reading this, okay? Um, so what is he saying next when he is teaching on this verse? Go ahead. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Uh, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. 
physician heal yourself, and you will tell me do it here in your hometown, where we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, she continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. The sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but in a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. But and there was many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, and not one of them was cleansed, only only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right, right through the crowd and went on his way. So um, Jesus was telling truth. Mm-hmm. Very specific truth. Very specific. <laughs> yeah, and when it became clear that they were going to throw him off a cliff, okay, that scene in the chosen was—it was—it was amazingly, it was—it uh, was, was amazingly representative there. No, yeah. But 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 he doesn't back away from telling the truth. Does that make sense? Um, and they kept asking him, like, renown your words, say you didn't really mean it, and then he just goes, no, no, I meant it. I meant it. I meant, it. I meant what it said. Um, and so we're going to move on just really quickly because I'm not Jesus, and I don't always have that same wisdom that he does about how and when to speak the truth. Um, so so here's the thing is that I'm trying to figure out as, as a person who's supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus here, I want to minister grace to people so that they can be saved, but I also need to be able to speak truth. So how do I know when to speak the truth or when to just represent grace, um, where is that line for me? And so the first thing I know is that I should be speaking the truth in love. And we can see this in Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Okay. So so if I'm not speaking it, okay, so speaking in love, what does that mean? Does it mean kindly? Yes. Um, but but I'm gonna go with yeah I'm gonna go a step further like when when we talk about speaking the truth in love in our house oh don't put that away um, when when we talk about speaking the truth in love in our house um, I'm really talking about um, speaking the truth for the benefit of the other person um, to build them up and not to tear them down um, so and as a matter of fact that's the second point. God's people are meant to be built up by being disciplined in the truth, okay? Usually when the Bible is talking about speaking the truth, there's, it's usually focused on, um, on using it to encourage believers into holy living, okay? So um, go ahead. Try that one. Again. Oh, it's such a pretty end today. Oh, oops. Maybe that's um, why I'm talking so long. So, so this is like the context to the other verse. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is Paul speaking. Yep. It just has that Paul vibe. It does um, have a Paul vibe. <laughs> so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Now, now most of this has been focused on speaking the truth to believers, right? 
But that's certainly not the only context that we're called to speak the truth. Obviously, we're called to be able to say, you know, um, when something is sinful or to stand up um, for what we believe in um, or even, you know, honest, to be honest with people and say, hey, you know, being a Christian, it changes you and it's meant to. And you may have to give up a lot. And I think that that's a truth that people need to hear. Um, so, so there are um, certainly times that we should be speaking the truth to people who are not believers, okay, um, in gentleness and in love, right? Um, and I'm, I'm not always wise into knowing when, but the Holy Spirit, this is point three, is the best guide on what to say when. And we're going to look at John 16, uh, verse three, 13, sorry, 16, 13. How convenient. I have that pulled up. You're so good. Uh, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you all into the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Okay, so there are going to be times when the Lord tells us that we should be speaking the truth, right? Right. And and that's not always going to make us popular. Sometimes people are going to want to throw us off a cliff. Like, <laughs> or maybe, potentially. I mean. I don't live by very many cliffs, so I'm probably safe. Um, there, it could be a mountain. It could be a mountain. It, it could be. I do have a few mountains around here. I'm going to make sure that I watch my mouth when I'm up. So um, so that's it for our Bible study today. We'll do some Q&A in a little bit. But I think right now, Cross is itching to stump me on some Bible questions. Is that right? Okay. okay. All right. Uh, so right here, we're doing Heroes of Faith. Heroes of the Faith. Okay. Okay, so apparently I'm not going to do what I said earlier, but... Um, because the answers are right there. The answers are, like, highlighted. Okay, okay. So it's just it's just about me and whether or not I know my stuff. All right. We'll see. Of what wood was Noah's Ark made? This is the multiple choice question. Go for actually. wood. I didn't need the help on that. <laughs> How long was the Ark? Was it A, 500 cubits, B, 100 cubits, C, 300 cubits, or D, 250 cubits? Okay, so this one's going to be hard. I'm going to tell you, I probably am going to get this wrong because I know it was like the length of two football fields, but we don't measure those in cubits. Right. Um, so I'm going to say it's 250 cubits. But no, I was, it's 300. It was 300? Okay. I was like, I was like, I, I don't know that I remember the biblical quote on it. I just remember it was legit for real long, right? Okay, this is going to be really easy. Uh, okay. For how long did the flood ring fall? 80 days and 80 nights, 12 days and 12 nights, 107 days and 107 nights, or 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. But, so the reason why the 121 is on there is because um, it took 40 days before the water started to seed, and then another 40 days before there was enough dry land for them to get out. So they were actually on the ark for 120 days. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. So that was a trick question. This, this might be hard. Um Uh-oh. How long did the flood cover the earth? 19 days, 150 days, 50 days, or 15 days? What? I'm going to say 100. What? What were the choices? Was <laughs> it A, 19 days, uh-huh. B, 150 days, C, 50 days, or D, 15 days? I'm going to say 150 days. Yay. Okay. Because I was about to say, because I remember, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not a very patient person. And I thought to myself, 
you know, you'd be so excited when the rain finally stopped. Um, but then imagine how long they had to stay on the boat while they were waiting for the water to speed. They were on the boat, like, way longer. <laughs> Two of the answers are, like, definitely not. It's like a half a year. We, okay. Just, oh, sorry. <laughs> a long time. Okay, so we have now moved on to Joe's. Okay, I'm trying to move on. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I'll just give you two choices because honestly, 69 and 90 don't sound right. All right. How old was Joseph when his brothers sold him into slavery? 23 or 17? Ooh. Because 69 and 90 don't sound I, right. No. I, I don't think he was like on the edge of his life. When well, he no. I mean, okay, okay, okay. So. People so I'm going to be honest. Right? I don't remember this in the context of scripture, okay? But and so either one of those could be the thing, except I know Benjamin wasn't even a thing yet, okay? No. Benjamin was not born because um, Rebecca died giving birth to Benjamin, and Joseph didn't know his mother had died when he was in Egypt. So, so this all happens afterwards. Um, so I'm, I'm tempted to go with the younger age of 17. Let's go with that. Yes, it was 17. Okay, there we go. Okay. Maybe I should read that one again. It's <laughs> a great story. Who suggested that Joseph interpret the dreams of Pharaoh? Was it A, Potiphar, B, the cupbearer, C, Judah, or D, the baker? It was the cupbearer. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this. I think both the baker and cupbearer had dreams. They were in jail with Joseph. They were they were interpreted, but the baker ends up getting his head yes. lopped off, and the cupbearer gets returned to his post. Now Potiphar does have a part in this, um, but it's afterwards. So when they when they call him, because my impression is that Joseph was in prison, but he was not in the king's prison he was in potiphar's prison because potiphar is the captain of the guard so he has his own jail mm-hmm. okay you see what i'm saying like he's got his he own, lots of that right he's, he's got his own jail going on and so um when when they call joseph potiphar comes and when joseph properly interprets the dream then then this is when pharaoh asks um if anyone knows anyone wiser in the land than him and Potiphar recommends him for the job. So so he has a part in there, but the guy who actually suggests that Joseph interpret the dream was the cupper. Yeah. Okay. This one, um, I don't know if you'll get it. Okay. I don't know if I you'll get it I hope you won't either. get it, but I don't Uh-oh. know if you'll get it. He's always trying to trick me. He's like, I hope you won't get it. Okay. I'm pretty sure you're going to know it's not the first two. What are the names of Joseph's two sons, John and Mark? Cain and Abel, Ephraim and Manasseh, or Dan and Nephilim? It's Ephraim and Manasseh. (laughs) Those are two of the tribes of Israel. You've got to know that. All right, we're we're, we're in Moses now. (laughs) I don't think we'll get this one. How long did Moses' mother hide him to to escape the death edict of Pharaoh? Was it A, 13 months, B, 10 months, C, 3 months, or D, 7 months? I want to say it was 7. It was three. It was three. I was like, I, I couldn't remember. I remember he was whittle, and I was thinking to myself, ooh, that had to have been hard. But, yeah, they, yeah. 
he wasn't weaned yet, of course, but they didn't really wean until they were like seven years old back then. Okay, you're going to get this one immediately. Okay. Uh, who was Moses' father-in-law? I think you might know this before I even give you the choices. Okay, was hold it, on, hold on, hold on. I mean, I could come up with it, but go ahead and give me the choices. Was it A, Laban, B, Mordecai, C, Jethro, or D, Seth? It was Jethro. It was Jethro, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, I see you get this one. Oh, what was the name of Aaron's wife? So Moses' brother. What was the name of his wife? Was it A, Elisheba, B, Miriam, D, Zipporah, or D, Deborah? Oh, going with the first one. I, okay, so, okay, so listen, I honestly don't know, but I know who, yes, I know who Deborah is, I know who Sephora was, and I know who Miriam was, so it wasn't them, so it had to be, what was her name? Uh, Elisheba. Uh, Elisheba? Elisheba? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even remember it saying this, folks. I'm going to have to go look. Okay. <laughs> okay. How old was Moses when he gave God's message to Pharaoh, let my people go? Was he 80, 18, 13, or 39? 80. How did you read? Oh, because he was, they were in the desert for 40 years, and he was 120. I, well, I, I, I knew he was somewhere between 80 and 90, um, and all the other ages were really, really young. So I was, like, waiting for, like, 80, 85, 90, 95, you know, and then I was like, oh, I'm screwed. But... <laughs> But no, the other ages were like way off. How physically fit was Moses that he lived to 120, but still walked his people in a circle for 100? I mean, if all you ever did was walk, you might be in pretty good shape. Oh, the first of the ten plagues. <laughs> oh no, the first of the ten plagues. Was it A frogs, B okay. water turns to blood, C place of life, or D darkness? It was water turns to blood. Where was Moses buried? A in Canaan in a cave. D in the Valley of Moab or D in the desert? We don't know. Um, I mean, he was in the desert. No, I'm gonna, actually, but, we do know. Okay, but God buried him. Nobody really knows. But it does give us the general area. Does it tell us the, book the of general Europe? area? Yeah. Okay. So what were the choices again? Was it in Canaan, in okay. a cave, in the Valley of Moab, or in the desert? The Valley of Moab. Yes. Yeah, because and they were just about to enter in. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to... Uh, like, how cool do you have to be for, like, you die and, and God himself and, buries you? And God takes his own hand and buries you. Like, how cool do you have to be for that? That's crazy. You know? Okay. Um, but, yeah, that's why nobody knows where his grave is. But but clearly in the Valley of Moab because they're getting ready to, to enter into mm-hmm. Jericho. Right? Okay. Uh, 34-6. He buried him in Moab, the valley opposite Beth Pure, but to this day, no, no one knows where his grave is. Okay. 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 All right. I'll give you that. All right. Now we're on to David. Oh, this is going to be so cool. Okay. Okay. All right. What was the height of Goliath? In other words, how giant was this giant? That was okay. Bad. Please tell me they're not asking me in cubits, because I know he was over nine feet. They're asking me in cubits. Dang it. Cubits and fans, actually. Look, okay, I'm an American. I, I don't know how to do cubits and fans. I don't know how to do metrics. I, I'm a feet and inches kind of a girl, okay? He There's going to be like a one feet. in four chance that you get these right. These sound really similar. Okay. Let's see, six cubits in the span, seven, cubit in, seven cubits and two spans, nine cubits in the span, or five cubits and three spans? Six cubits in a span. Hey, how did you know that? <laughs> 
because I, I didn't remember two two spans, and I know the cubit is way more than a foot, and I know it was like nine feet. You won't get this list. Okay. 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 He's going to stop me now, he says. Okay. When Saul was pursuing David, in which cave did David seek refuge? Was it the cave at Makata, the cave at Machpelah, the cave of Adelub, or the Dambola cave? Oh, the what? Dambola cave. I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably not the. He's <laughs> like, I have never seen that word. I think it's the second one. No, it's not. It was the first one? It's the third one. It was the third one. What yes. was it? Uh, Adlam. Okay, the cave at Adlam. Yeah. Okay. Um, I clearly need to, to look more about his hiding out whereabouts. Who was the chief of the three mighty men of David? Oh, oh, God. All right. Um, was it A, Jonathan, B, Benaniah, C, Joseph Bashabeth? That's his name. We're going to go with Bashabeth. Uh, or D, Abishai. Abishai. So... Abishai was Jaws' brother who got stabbed in the stomach by Abner. Okay, so I was wrong. So it's not Abishai. I couldn't. I didn't know that that was who Abishai was. It was Joaz Bashir Abner. Really? Okay, because yeah. I thought that was Jonathan's son. Ooh, ooh, okay. ooh, ooh. Yes. Yeah, Remove you out to Paul. What? Remove you out to Paul. Oh, Paul. Okay, I might know more about this one. All right. <laughs> Clearly, I need to, to brush up on my David. Okay. Who restored Paul's sight after the Lord blinded him? Was it A, Peter, B, Luke, C, Ananias, or D, Matthew? It was Ananias. Why would I you have, ask that? I have often. Well, I mean, it's because it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that some, like, normal dude does. I always wonder, like, how many people God had to ask to do that before he got to Ananias, who said yes. Like, He's like, hey, Matthew, you want to? Like, no, 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 uh, no, he kills us. Like, I wonder, he's gonna be like, I, I wonder, my sight. Oh, also, I've got a sword, right? Right, I just, I just kind of wonder if there were a lot of guys lined up for this job, um, and, and where, where Ananias was on that list. Like, was he fifth? Was he 15th? Was he first? Like, I don't know. Like, how, how faithful and obedient are you guys? Because, like, I'm going to say, I might have thought twice before wanting to restore his sight. <laughs> okay, you're probably going to get okay, this we'll one. Okay, we'll see. Even I know this one without listening. Okay. Uh, how did Paul escape Damascus when the Jews were trying to kill him? Uh, a, in a basket. Must... How did... They lowered him in a basket outside the city walls. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you knew that, right? You know what? Um, Come on. That was Paul's stone. Was it A? Everywhere. No. <laughs> true. That's true. Um, was it A, Militia, B, Damascus, C, Galilee, or D, Lystra? Lystra. Stop it! What? <laughs> Where was an altar erected to the unknown god? Was it A, in Athens, B, in Capernaum? Athens, honey. Athens. It was in Athens. You didn't even let me get to half it, it was it was in Greece. That's where they had like all the gods and they had an extra one for the unknown god just in case they missed somebody. Oh, you're not gonna get this one. Okay. Um what Athen judge was converted under Paul's preaching? Was it A Eunice, B Candace, C Ebulus, or D Well probably not D if you have never seen this. <laughs> I've never seen this word. Okay. All right. Um 
Let's call him Big D because his name starts with a D. Uh, We're going to okay. call him Big D. Okay, okay. Tell me the names again. Was it A, Eunice, B, Candace, C, Ebolus, or D, Big D? Ebolus. No, it was the... Well, I couldn't guess that. What was it? Let me see. Let me see if I can read it. Oh, Dionysus. Well, if you had said Dionysus, I would have gone. But Dionysus is really hard to read. But, yeah, but you're going to get to one immediately. Eunice and Candace are girls, so. Oh. Yeah. What was Paul's occupation? I think you, you He's a set maker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, prior to raising. I don't think he was a tent maker originally. Like, he was a Pharisee. I think he was taught tent making to kind of by, um, by oh. Aquila and Priscilla, if I remember correctly. If you know this story, you'll know the answer. But okay. if you don't know the story, you're going to be totally lost. Okay. Raising Eutychus from the dead, Paul preached a legend, a lengthy sermon. I thought that said legendary. Uh, what hour did he end the sermon? Was it A, early morning, oh. B, mid-afternoon, C, late evening, or D, midnight? Oh, it was midnight. Yeah, because, uh, because he, he, fell, he fell asleep, asleep in the window, the window and fell out the window. Well, so you have to understand the windows didn't have glass. Right. So he's just, just like doors. Right. So he's hanging out in this hole in the wall and he fell asleep, which is probably the wrong place to fall asleep, by the way. Never fall asleep in a hole in a wall in a second story building. And so. I think, I think it was the third story, actually. I, yeah, it was, it was high up to the point and he fell out. And when he hit the ground, he died. And then Paul went down and resurrected him and kept preaching. Because you would think that someone falling asleep and falling out a window would be your first indication that you might be a little long-winded and it's time to stop. But apparently he talks more than I do, and he just kept preaching. That's, that's an accomplishment. Good job, Paul. Right. I was like, what? What does Paul say is the fulfillment of the law? Is it A, righteousness, B, patience, C, faith, or D, love? Love. All right. Now we're moving on to the children of Israel. He keeps growling at me, people. I don't know if you can hear the, the little growls over here, but that is not the dog. That is my son getting aggravated that he hasn't been able to stump me too bad. Okay. And it's Dionysus. <laughs> okay. We're moving on to kings because there was weird questions. Okay, okay. Let's do one more little section, and then we need to do some Q&A for the Bible study. Okay. okay. What were Solomon's other names? Was it A, Jedediah and Lemuel? B, Joab and Lemuel, D, C, Jedediah and Joab, or D, Lemuel and Jeremiah. What? He had two other names. Okay, that was confusing. It's Jedediah and Lemuel. Uh, okay, I had no idea, and maybe I need I to I knew about Jedediah name. because that's the name God gave him. Okay. He said this child's name will be Jedediah. David obviously didn't listen. Uh, what kingdom, what king was... Guilty of idolatry, making two golden calves and commanding the people to worship them. Was it A. Jeroboam, B. Jehu, C. Joktran, or D. Joram? I mean, didn't they all do evil in the sight of the Lord? I don't know which one. I'm gonna be honest. Jehu just killed people. Okay. He murdered Ahab's family. But God he loves kings. This is like his area of expertise. This is like so my I, book. I, I don't know Jeroboam. Yeah, it was Jeroboam. Okay. He's the one who. Uh, he pointed at a prophet and his hand got shriveled up. Nice. Yeah. Okay. No fun fact for you. <laughs> um, wow. Who was the most wicked? I wouldn't have gotten that fun fact either, folks. I, I'm, I think you're going to, like, immediately get this one without okay. even hearing the option. Who was the most wicked king of Israel? Manasseh? Actually, Manasseh is one of the options. 
Okay, but he wasn't the, the most wicked. What was the list? I'm sure Manasseh is the second. Uh, yeah, like he was, very he close was, second. He was bad. bad. He was bad, bad. Yeah. And that's a whole story, too. Instead of, like, because I he wasn't ever even animal. supposed to be born. And, and he sacrificed his children. Yeah, yeah, he was bad, bad. He was bad, bad. Okay, so what were the other options, though? Uh, Ahab, Abimelech. Oh, well, Ahab. Yeah. <laughs> Ahab. I guess I wasn't thinking. Uh, yeah, Ahab was really, really bad. But 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 Manasseh wasn't even supposed to be born. Hezekiah was supposed to die before he tired him. Mm-hmm. So, like, we could have skipped that whole thing, y'all. What two kings disguised themselves before going to battle and were both slain by archers? Was it Ahab and Zedekiah, Enosh and Zedekiah, Japheth and Josiah, or Ahab and Josiah? Ahab and Josiah. Yep. Okay. So that's the battle that killed him. I knew it was I knew it was Ahab, but I was like Hezekiah did not die that way. Okay, one more question, one more question. Okay. Uh I know you're not gonna get this one. Which king was killed by his own son? Was it A Manasseh, Zinacherib, C Ahaz, or G D Jotham? Jotham? Nope, it was Senesherib. I had no idea. Senesherib, what how did you say that? Senesherib. Oh, hold on. Sure. Yes, Senesherib? Okay. Uh-huh. I, but I, Saul I, was killed by his own men, not his own son. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. So, so you're saying that it's at least understandable that I would have missed that. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I do not read Kings as much as I should. All right. We've got like 15 okay. minutes for yes. Q&A. So let's go ahead and we're going to cut to some commercials real quick and then we'll come back with Q&A. Yay, I'm playing questions. Of all the grounding studies... The one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Vagal Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized. And their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Most people say they hate wearing shoes and would go barefoot if they knew they were allowed. People say it all the time on their social medias. But they are worried that someone will say something to them. So everyone wears the cheapest flip-flops with the least amount of fabric on them. Most people do not even know that it's completely 100% legal to go barefoot into a store. Most people think that driving barefoot is illegal, but it isn't. Driving barefoot actually is safer than wearing most shoes. Going outside barefoot for a walk is one of the healthiest things you could do, but most people are afraid someone will say so. Or they quote the myths and the rumors that their grandma told them years ago. The fact is, there are no laws against driving a car, going to a store, or eating in a restaurant barefoot. So don't give in to bad fashion, hurt heels, or a broken flip-flop. For more information, please check out barefootislegal.org or find us on your favorite social media. All right, well, we're back. We're going to do some Q&A. We were just talking about how it's kind of risky business being a king or a general, right? 
Um, you're most likely to get assassinated before you're supposed definitely to die. Definitely going to die. Definitely going to die. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about Q&A, about our really kind of, it was kind of a heavy topic today, the Bible study, wasn't it? Kind of rough. Have some more pointed questions about the heavy Right. I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail somewhere. Someone's going to say I'm not being gracious enough. Someone's going to say I'm completely wrong about my interpretation of the Bible there. And someone's going to say that I need to stand up for truth. And, and no one's going to say it. My questions were late. <laughs> no. And, Except and, for me, because there's one in there. I was like, what? How did? That was so, that is so obvious. I'm pretty sure a non-Christian would get that. Right. So, so, um, so let's talk about some Q&As. What kinds of topics do you think it can be difficult to share biblical truth with people about? Hmm? What kinds of topics do you think that it can be difficult to share um, biblical truth with people about? Okay, so I'm going to speak for myself. He's hiding for this one. I get it. <laughs> but I've already thrown myself out there, like, really, really bad today. So I'll just follow up on that. Um, the hardest topics for me are not necessarily topics related to specific sin. But um, our current culture has a lot to do with um, with how we identify ourselves. Um, it has to do with, like, identity politics. And then there's, you know, how we identify ourselves sexually um, and how we identify ourselves personally. Um, and I think that when we're talking about topics specifically like that, it's hard because, I really want to sincerely um, share the love of God, but I know it's going to be, it's, it's a hard pill to, swa- pill to swallow. It's a difficult truth to receive when it's um, seen through the filter of, of identity politics and seen through the filter of self-identification. Um, when I was younger, maybe I had certain strongly held beliefs but I didn't see myself as um, as existing because this was who I am. And it's, it's a very difficult thing for people right now, I think, to separate themselves from the things that they do, what they partake in, their lifestyle, and what they enjoy. Um, they almost become those things uh, in their own mind. And so it can be very difficult to say, okay, well, you're going to give up everything you are um, to become a Christian, um, although it is very much the truth, and it always has been. So I think that that's, that's really the hardest thing. So in particular, <clears throat> um, I, I have compassion for people who are choosing alternative lifestyles, um, knowing that the journey that I made is going to be that much more difficult for them. Um, it's difficult. And... Um, I, I don't think that we should look smugly upon people um, who who have a different uh, belief system and a different lifestyle than than, than we have. Um, but like, really, God's heart of grace should drive you to compassion, um, understanding how how hard a journey this is. So that's just me. Did you have something you want to add to that? No. Okay. Um, do you know someone who reminds you of Jesus? What is it about them that reminds you of Jesus? Hmm. Help me out. Who do you know who reminds you of Jesus? Aw, 
he said me. That's so sweet. What What is it that reminds you of Jesus? Does he talk a lot? <laughs> oh, we both talk a lot. I, I, I was waiting for him to say that if he does something wrong, he's afraid I'm going to hit him with a lightning bolt. I was, I was waiting for something snarky like that. That's just a close second. Is that... <laughs> Oh, I better hide my stock of lightning bolts better. Huh? Wait, 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 wait. My mom is Zeus. <laughs> yes. I Yes, yes. Um, I don't know. Like, I've had a lot of ladies in my life who kind of speak into my life, and they have both that, that grace, but they're able to communicate hard truth when they need to. Um, so just to name a few, um, Christy Strutt definitely is one of those people. Uh, Sherry Vivian, uh, Karina Church definitely. Um, uh, Karina's mom, Penny, definitely one of those kinds of people. Um, and they just are able to really embody Jesus' love, but when it comes down to it, they're, they're able to confront truth. Um, in a gentle and loving way, and um, super respect all those ladies for that. So um, who's the most honest person you know? Has their honesty ever gotten them in trouble? Do you know anybody who's honest to a fault? Caitlin. Caitlin. She always tells the truth, huh? With Caitlin, she might be doing something wrong, but if you ask her directly, she'll always set up. Even if he gets her in trouble, she'll always tell you the truth. Um, and sometimes, if you just wait long enough, she'll be like, she'll crack on she'll, egg. she'll crack and tell you. She is she has got such a pure sweetheart, and she does. She's very very honest. Caitlin, we're gossiping about you. Oh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I I agree one hundred percent with that. That was the person I was thinking of too. That she's just she's she's just so honest and. Um, and, and I was even saying the other day, if she ever has a problem with you, it's, oh, she does not, <laughs> she, she's so not like, like the emotional, she's, she's not that emotional person. She's like, you lied to me and you're untrustworthy. And you're like, oh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, it's, a, it's a truth bomb. Like, and, and you kind of uh, have to swallow it because you can't deny it. She's not going to say anything that's outside of the truth. Um, it's, 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 wow. Um, she, she is a special one. Um, so, uh, does it get her in trouble sometimes? I mean, probably it's definitely got that potential. <laughs> I mean, if she does something wrong, then yes, it gets her in trouble. Right, right. But she already did something wrong. It was really the thing that she did wrong that got her in trouble, not to tell the truth about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, has there ever been a time that God called you to be kind to someone who was hard to be kind to? Oh, Oh, yeah, that's tough, huh? That's a tough you answer one. that. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, okay, so, like, who's the hardest person to be kind to? It's usually a person in your life who really does not like you, right? You know what I'm saying? So I can think of a couple people, but I have to tread nicely. Um, there's actually one person that I have been spending a lot of time in prayer about. Because I have yet to see this person, but um, I, I 
have some things that have upset me, and I really need to work through those so that I can um, exercise kindness with this person. And they're not a Christian, so it's not somebody that I can really come and, and talk about the sin factor of the things that they've done. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's, it's, it's a tough one. So, yes, there are people that are very difficult to be nice to. Um, and uh, I, I usually just spend a lot of time praying and asking God to allow me to see them in the same way that he sees them. Because, you know, he likes them still, right? So I got to I got to see him through his eyes. Okay, okay, let's see here. Um last question. Has God ever called you to share a hard biblical truth with somebody? I and mean, that happens to me a lot, like all the time, all the time. Um and um I spend a lot of time too like praying about whether I'm called to share this truth with someone. If they're just learning about something or they're researching at something, you know, um, there have been times where someone shared something and I'm like, oh, that's not really, that, that's not really how I'm reading things. And, and so I'll go, I, I tend to be pretty fair and open with it because I always think to myself, I don't know everything, right? And so I will go and um, I will um, research and I'll read up and I'll look in original languages and, and, and see what I can learn. Um, and, you know, am I supposed to go back and correct that person? That's, that's the question, right? Um, when am I supposed to go back and correct that person? Or am I supposed to? Or is that, you know, something that God's assigned to someone else? That's, that's always a question. Have you ever had to share a hard biblical truth with someone, Carl? No, not really. No? No, not yet? Nope. Be prepared, man. It's coming. Remember the three points from today. <laughs> well, I think that we're done. What do you think? Yep. Are we good? Are we good? All right. The dog's getting a little frisky, and and it's uh, time for you to get some schoolwork done. What? What? Schoolwork. Got to do your math and geography. So um, God bless everybody for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our time together. Uh, we had a great time. Cross is one of my favorite people to talk to, so um, I got some special time to talk to him last night, and then we get to hang out on the show today, and that's fun. So anyway, God bless everybody. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus